0: Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps.
1: take a look at some things and consider how everything we see came to be. There's a lot of debate out there concerning a lot of things, and in particular, over competing explanations for life in our day. There's, There's Darwinism, and there's evolution, and intelligent design, and creationism, and well, there's just lots of explanations out there, and some of them hold water, and some of them don't. Dr. B.B. Warfield writes, A glass window stands before us. We raise our eyes and see the glass, and we note its quality and observe its defects. We speculate on its composition, or we look straight through it on the great prospect of land and sea and sky beyond. So there's two ways of looking at the world. We may see the world and absorb ourselves in the wonders of nature. Well, that's the scientific way. Or we may look right through the world and see God behind it. And that's the religious way. Well, the scientific way of looking at the world is not really wrong any more than the glass manufacturer's way of looking at the window. This way of looking at things has its very important uses. Nevertheless, the window was placed there not to be looked at, but looked through. And the world has failed of its purpose unless it, too, is looked through. And the eye rests not on it, but On its God. The author of Genesis has not written the creation account for the glassmaker, you see. He urges us to look through the glass of his account to the creator behind it all. John, first chapter, verses one through five, tells us In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Pray with me, won't you? Father God, we thank you so very much for the light that you bring to the world. We thank you each and every day, Lord, that you can allow us to be strong, whether we are numbered many or numbered few. Help us today, Lord, to know that we can storm the forts, that we can stand before you strong and confident, and that, Lord, there is one right way, and that's your way. Help us to be cognizant of all things around us, that your very presence can be felt, and that as we go through our daily lives, others can see you in all that we say and do. Be with us now, Father, and we're confident to know that you are. For it's in your name that we ask these things. Amen. Let's worship together.
2: Good morning. We have selected different scriptures that I'll be reading this morning. The first one's Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. But there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Now it's going to be Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And then the last one is Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created Both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him.
0: God of Wonders. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth 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 Hallelujah Lord of heaven and earth, Hallelujah! To the Lord of heaven and earth. God of wonders, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy.
3: Salvation Army is found in 111 countries of the world, and there's a unique fellowship in that area of the world, whether it's Indonesia, Japan, the UK, Australia, or even Chicago. In fact, those countries that I just named, because there are Salvationist musicians, we have a fellowship on a personal basis with people in those countries. That's amazing but it's true. Three years ago, Phyllis and I were at a wedding in Chicago, and Randy Cox and I talked, as we have, because we've known each other for a long time and had the privilege of working together at our CMI, which is Central Music Institute in Wisconsin. And I said, Randy, we have an annual spring concert. How about you coming up and be on our guest soloist sometime? He said, that sounds good to him. And Randy's even walking up to stand here right by me, even as I speak. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) you see, we worked together on a couple of the student bands, and that was a great opportunity. And so this weekend, it worked out. Now, I have to tell you that while we're trying to work out these arrangements, I was getting emails from Randy in Malaysia and Singapore, but... Sonia finally got him home, and we we appreciate her allowing and bringing him here so that we can have this time of fellowship, and this afternoon at 3 o'clock, you're going to hear some really exciting solos that uh, Randy's going to be featured in with the band. But right now, he's going to come and tell you a little bit about his faith, and then he's going to play a very interesting solo, and he'll tell you what that's all about as well. Randy.
4: Well, thank you, Dick. Um, <clears throat> it was, uh, like I said yesterday, to the band, it's, uh, it's really an honor uh, to be invited to uh, share in, uh, in the band's uh, spring festival. I know uh, Flint has a very uh, long uh, heritage in, in banding as well as a Christian mis- uh, message here at Flint Citadel, and it's a joy to be here. Um, so again, my name is Randy Cox, uh, my wife is here with me this morning, Sonia. I have uh, three kids uh, at home, uh, Alex, Clayton, and Mackenzie, and they are 17, 14, and 10. And they decided that, you know, Dad, we, we've heard enough of you play. We, we got our own stuff going on here at home. So uh, they decided to spend the weekend at home. This is the first time they're at home alone with Alex in charge. So, uh, so far, we've only had a couple of phone calls and no problems. So uh, we just have a few more hours before we can get home and know everything's good. Um, You know, when I was uh, thinking about what what I would say this morning and um, about the wonderful things that God has done in my life and my wife's and my family's, um, you know, I was all over the map. I had so many things I wanted to say, and then I decided uh, somehow uh, God narrowed it down to a few things that are really uh, the desire of my heart and, and my wife's and how we want to to raise our family and live our lives, and that's really just two things. It's studying God's word and then being obedient to him and his word. You know, I I grew up in a Christian family and with a very strong uh, Salvation Army heritage, which a lot of you probably know. Um, But it really wasn't until about seven years ago that um, I decided to make God's word a priority in my life. Many of you will know that uh, I played in the Chicago staff band for a little over 17 years, and that was uh, just a huge part of my life. Um, But toward the end of that period, uh, God decided he had another plan for me. And, uh, you know, during that time I was uh, very busy with a family of five young kids, um, a very demanding work schedule, core activities, and the staff band on top of that. I was kind of going on trips and just kind of going through the motions I was bringing my laptop on the bus, on the phone, just waiting to be told where to go and when to put my horn up and play. And that was pretty much what it was like the last probably a year and a half, two years. Um, And then one weekend, uh, I was getting ready to go on a trip. It was about 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday as normal for staff band trips. I was in my uniform getting dressed and Clayton was about, I don't know how, I can't do the math at the moment. maybe five years old. And he came in, and he said, Dad, can I go down and and watch TV? And I said, yeah, sure. So he went off and went downstairs, so I thought. And I went to my dresser, and I was getting some stuff out, and I could see down the hallway in our upstairs. And in that hallway, Clayton was sitting Indian style, just sitting there, doing nothing. And I looked down there, and he looked at me, and he said, can't you skip just once? And he knew I was going on a trip. He knew I was going on a staff band trip. And right then, I knew that whole trip, I sat there and thought, God, what are you doing? What are you telling me here? And right then, I knew that um, that, that was it. Um, this was my last trip, and it was. I uh, went back and talked with Bill. I finished out the year with the Thanksgiving concert, and I was done. And um, that's a huge was a huge shift um, for me. Um, I... Uh, I decided at that point that I needed to make something different in our lives. And, and God was pushing me down this path. And really what happened was I replaced Tuesday night staff band with Monday night Bible study with my kids. And while it wasn't the plan, it just happened. And I was going on Monday nights, and I, I, we still do today. While Sonia studies during the, the week, during the day, we go on Monday nights together. As a, and so as a family, we're studying God's word, and that's really um, how we're trying to, to live our lives. And that's not by coincidence. That's God, That's by God putting us down that path. And I believe um, that for a very specific reason, that he's been preparing us for many things in life. Um, you know, life uh, has its uh, hills and valleys, and uh, we've had our share. And I can look back over the six, last six or seven years and see how God's hand has been in all of these hills and valleys. Um, Some of these valleys have been been pretty deep, um, yet we sensed an incredible peace knowing God was right there with us. There's a number of verses that uh, Sonia and I have hung on to over these uh, number of years um, that have allowed us to really stay focused on him, and I'd like to share those with you. First is in Hebrews 3 verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. And it's those few words, fix your thoughts on Jesus. And then there's Hebrews 12, 2, that says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this morning, um, I'd just like to encourage you, knowing that God has wonderful things in share for us when we are obedient to him and his word and his his commands. There really are commands. Regardless of what life looks like for you right now, we have a Savior that loves us and cares for us, and I've experienced times when I have not known what is next for, for my life. And there's a verse um, that has allowed me to just relax in his plan. And I find it no coincidence that this morning, um, the captain read that this morning, and it, was, it is found in Colossians, and it's uh, Colossians one seventeen. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. That to me is very reassuring and brings a peace that is beyond understanding to know that regardless of what is going on in my life, God is with me and directing every one of those events in our life. So I thank God this morning for all that he's done for me personally and as well for my family. I thank him for his unending faithfulness and for the realness of his promises. And now to talk about this solo, um, yesterday Dick uh, asked me to explain this to the band. And so I did, and uh, he asked me this morning to explain it as well. And it's called Gabriel Zobo. Um, it's the musical theme of a movie called The Mission. And while it didn't get a huge amount of airtime, uh, it does have Robert De Niro in it and some pretty, pretty, other big, pretty big stars other than him. The Mission is a very powerful movie uh, about a group of Jesuits who move into the jungle of South America to attempt to convert a tribe of Indians. Gabriel's oboe is the tomb that a single priest by himself plays in the jungle on uh, an English horn as he's surrounded by uncivilized Indians with swords and bow and arrows, um, and are ready to attack him and basically kill him. And he plays this tomb by himself in the middle of this jungle under this siege. And that beauty, the beauty of this tune just calms the Indians um, and that starts a relationship with those Indians. So while the main story of, of, of this movie is about really the government's destruction of a tribe of Indians, um, the subplot is what really got to me and was powerful. And it was about um, a slave trader who was actually sl- uh, trading these Indians, these same very same Indians, um, through obviously for his living, um, and he kills his brother for some reason. You can watch the movie and figure that part out. But for repentance, he's working. Uh, the Jesuits go to meet with him, and they they want him to repent. And one of the things um, that they he challenges them actually about: Can I actually do this? Do you dare me to do this? And they say yes. So he gathers up all of his slave trader uh, gear that he uses and he puts it into a pack that's about this big and he carries it through the jungles, through the water, up the mountains on his back, drags it all the way there as his, um, as his penance. And when he reaches the top uh, of this mountain where these Indians are, there's this... Very powerful scene where this music's playing and the Indians, and there's no talking going on. There's just this music, and these Indians cut him loose of the burden that he's been carrying. And so right from there, he devotes his life to these Indians. Uh, He becomes a Jesuit priest, and then he serves them in this jungle moving forward. So I encourage you to see this movie. It's a, it has a strong Christian message, beautiful music, beautiful scenery in South America. It's a really powerful story. Um, so as we bring you this music, reflect on your life and the things within your life that require repentance from our Lord. Bring those things before the Lord as we play Gabriel's oboe.
5: You songsters, isn't it true, it is amazing that the God of all creation, immense, beyond our comprehension, uh, cares about us. Not only cares about us, loves us. It's amazing. On March 21st, 1925, the Tennessee legislature passed an act in reaction to what is commonly called the Scopes Monkey Trial. At this trial, John Scopes, a, a high school biology teacher, was charged with illegally teaching the theory of evolution. The act read like this. It shall be unlawful for any teacher in any of the universities, normals, or other public schools of the state which are Supported in whole or in part by the public school funds of the state to teach any theory that denies the story of the divine creation of man as taught in the Bible. And to teach instead that man has descended from a lower order of animals. Well, needless to say, a lot has changed since then, hasn't it? The, day, the, the tables have definitely turned. Turned because it is now illegal to teach or even mention in the classroom the idea that God created the universe and created biological life. If you were to do so, and you're a teacher, you might lose your job or you might be sued by the ACLU. For some, Genesis chapter 1 has come to be known as the creation myth. They look at it as just an ancient explanation for the origins of life made by people who were scientifically ignorant. So this was the best they could do to try and put it all together. So really, what's the big deal? What does it matter whether you believe God created everything or whether you believe that life originated by chance and progressed based on the laws of evolution. What difference does it make? Well, I'm here this morning to tell you it makes a huge difference. It makes a big difference. I'm not going to try to share all the arguments for and against creationism versus evolution today. But I do want you to know that um, this fall, I want to have a uh, special evening Sunday evening devoted to this debate, maybe one or two, where we really go in depth into um, trying to understand the debate and the issues. But for today, please open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. And this morning, I want to uh, focus on the first three verses. Actually, I could just focus on the first verse because the first verse throws the gauntlet down. As far as explanations for what we see around us, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, which were read this morning, reads In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the deep over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Genesis starts with this simple phrase, In the beginning. This signifies that our universe, this creation, had a fixed start. And before creation, there could have been no measurement of duration and consequently no time. Therefore, in the beginning must necessarily mean the commencement of time produced by God's creative acts as an effect produced by a cause. Time is something God created when he created the universe. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 and 23 says, speaking of wisdom personified, The Lord possessed me, wisdom, at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I, wisdom, was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. This wisdom of God, I believe, is what scientists call the rules and laws of the universe. And our modern science is a pursuit of understanding this wisdom that God brought to bear to create I don't believe that true science ever has to contradict our faith it simply attempts to explain and codify God's wisdom the next phrase says God created the heavens and the earth With these seven words, Scripture makes the bold claim that nothing in the universe existed from eternity, originated by chance, or from the skill of any inferior agent, but that the whole universe, everything we see and know, and even what we don't see and know, was produced by the creative power of God. Hebrews 11.3 builds on this, saying, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God didn't just rearrange stuff he found laying around to make this. The creation account recorded in Genesis is important because it not only answers the question of how we got here and why things are the way they are, but it also portrays God's character and his attributes. From the creation account, we learn that God is sovereign and all-powerful. God creates with a simple command. Let there be, and it's done. God does not experiment, but rather skillfully fashions the creation, by speaking it into being. We also learn in Genesis that God is not some impersonal cosmic force, but a personal, ever-present God. We see this when he creates man in his own image and then seeks to have a relationship with man. We also learn that the God of Genesis is eternal. The creation account describes his activity at the beginning of time. He existed before creation, before time. Psalm 90, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Finally, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God is good. Aren't you glad God is good. God, or good, implies not only usefulness and completion, but moral value. God's goodness is reflected in his creation, which in its original state, as God created it, was good, was very good. I want you to know, evolution and Darwinism have no morality. Nothing is inherently right or wrong, good or bad. The only thing that matters is the fittest survives and evolves. But here's what I really want to stress today. If the Genesis creation account is true, and God is the creator of heaven and earth, then this is not merely something to believe. It's not just a matter of faith, but something to which we must respond. Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9 says, We should respond by submitting to the God of creation in fear and obedience. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, We should trust in the God of creation to provide for our every need. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The second doctrine of the Salvation Army states that we believe that there is only one God who is infinitely perfect, the creator, preserver and governor of all things, and who is the only proper object of religious worship. We can say that because of Genesis, because we know who God is, we know his nature. 1 Peter 4.19 instructs us to find comfort in times of distress and difficulty, knowing that our creator God is able and willing to deliver us. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful what? A faithful creator in doing what is right. Let me sum it up this way. Genesis demands more than assent. It necessitates action. Maybe that's why some folks oppose it even being mentioned in school. They want to protect our children from this message. The consequences of believing creation is true, might lead us to seek the creator. That's because it calls for an action. It calls for a decision. Time began when God created the universe and our planet God's Spirit moved around its watery surface, and with a word, God spoke all that we see into creation. And from creation, we learn about God, about his character, about how we should respond to him. God is sovereign, all-powerful creator, and it is to him that one day we must give an account Genesis 1, 1 through 3 reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Many years later, speaking of Jesus, the Gospel of John Chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, takes us back to creation. Note how this scripture relates the Genesis account. There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him To them he gave the right to become the children of God, even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Just as God brought physical light into a dark creation, so Christ brings spiritual light into a world that's spiritually darkened. He has done something amazing on the level of creation. He has made it possible for us to be the children of God. And that is the most awesome thing God could have ever done. 2 Corinthians 5 brings God's creative power and our salvation together in its 17th verse, where it says, and look look at this creation, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? He is a new creation creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So I ask you this morning, have you become a new creation in Christ? When God saves us, we don't just turn over a new leaf and uh, take our old life and kind of dress it up. He makes us new. He gives us a new heart, a new spirit, a new purpose. Genesis chapter 1 reveals how God has taken chaos and fashioned it into cosmos. Order and beauty. Symmetry, perfection. I wonder this morning is your life formless and void? At times is your life maybe a little bit chaotic and lifeless? Well, I want to assure you this morning that the same God who turned chaos into cosmos can take your life and make it anew as well. Trust him. Trust him. He is faithful. Almost without exception. If you'll do a search of the scriptures, when the creation theme occurs in the scriptures, it calls for a response from us. That's what I call for from you this morning. How will you respond to our creator, God? The truth that God is the creator of heaven and earth is not merely something to believe, but something to which we must respond. What's your response? It's your response? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in your wisdom, Lord, you... Assembled this cosmos, this universe, this creation. Lord, you carefully put in principles and laws and rules to govern it, and, and it runs like a watch. Lord, you put even more care into creating us, and when we behold our bodies and, and the way they function, we realize how fearfully and wonderfully wrought we truly are. But God, I pray this morning we wouldn't neglect the purpose of all this, that that there is a spiritual realm unseen, not able to be measured. Scientists can't, um, can't quantify it, can't qualify it, can't measure it. And yet, Lord, it is the most real thing we have because it's eternal. I pray this morning as we consider creation, as we consider that, that as your word says, you created everything from nothing and you did it because you loved us, because you wanted to have a relationship with us. If there's anyone here this morning who does not have that relationship or has walked away, Lord, might they respond to the power of your word, to the moving of your Holy Spirit as he moved over the surface of the waters. Lord, move move over this congregation, move over our hearts. And Lord, if there's anyone here who needs to respond, uh, we'll just trust you, Lord, to make that clear, because you are the sovereign, the all-powerful God, our creator, the one to whom someday we will stand and give account. Lord, might we be prepared in that day. Bless us now and speak to those hearts that that need to respond in a specific way, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadels Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint, and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810 232 2199. Thanks for listening.